my earliest film memories were also associated with like, oh yeah, I want to put this under a company name. That's so. That's. <laughs> hey, dude, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. My name is Haley Morris, and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. This week's episode is a little different. As a celebration for his 22nd birthday, I sat down with your regular host, West Givens, to find out more about the person behind Tungsten. We discussed the high stress of film sets, the stories he grew up hearing, and his childhood fantasies of creating a production company. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 28 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. Uh, hi, welcome to the Tungsten Originals podcast. This is um, a little bit of a change. Why are you smirking? Stop! <laughs> I'm trying to do an intro. What? <laughs> okay, Wes is silent laughing. <laughs> I am, I'm silent laughing. Because I didn't know what, I didn't and still don't know what to expect. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you what some of the ideas were. This is a little bit behind the curtain. Um, yeah, explain what this is. So... Uh, Wes had asked me a few weeks ago if I would like to host an episode where he is the guest and I am the host. Which and sounds very arrogant. It Well, no, it I understood is. where it was coming from. <laughs> it's because it's my birthday. It's because it's your birthday, or I believe this is going to be coming so out on your this birthday. This comes out on like the 27th, I think. It comes out the Friday before my birthday. My birthday is the 29th, so yeah, I turned 22. Happy birthday. Thank you. My first plan for hosting this podcast was I was going to make it like a job interview and <laughs> ask you like questions that. to see if you could host the podcast. Oh, that's good. And then like we, were gonna, we were going to make it a public vote and the voters would decide <laughs> if you got to keep hosting the podcast. And then if they say no, I just have to commit and the podcast yeah. <laughs> just shuts down. No, it becomes my podcast. Right. It gets handed good over. Luck. Very game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I get all your equipment. That's how the all... entertainment industry should run. It really, that'd be so cool. You know? Oh my God. Could you imagine if like Tarantino killed Scorsese <laughs> and got all of his will... film awards? <laughs> I could definitely imagine him killing Scorsese because Tarantino's an insane boy. I was just watching an interview of him on Kimmel and he's like crazy. I love that. I, I, oh, I love it too, but he's like it before. crazy. I love crazy people. Well, Tarantino's your boy. He's my guy. <laughs> so instead of doing the job interview, because I thought that would scare the living shit out of you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I like to keep my self-appointed job. <laughs> yeah. I knew it would be a joke. I knew it would just right. be, if anyone tried to say like, no, you shouldn't be the host right. of the podcast, it would be a chuckle. Right. But I... Knowing you, <laughs> I've seen you get worked up over things that I, I didn't sh- even I knew existed. <laughs> I We play Frisbee in the park sometimes. Very childlike. It's very nice. We've had a lo- solid streak going to Frisbee time. Yeah, and I've seen you get <laughs> physically upset because we are not near our shoes. Like, we, I leave my shoes by a tree usually, and I've seen you be like, hey, we need to be near the stuff right now. It's shoes. It's like a hat and shoes. <laughs> and my so phone. Upset. Yeah, and exactly. Which so, is like not working. <laughs> yeah. My broken piece my of broken phone. technology. Right. My shoes. And you get so like nervous <laughs> that we're not. Anyway. I just get I mad couldn't imagine putting you through a <laughs> job right. interview. I just, I didn't okay, want I've it to happen. Okay, I've done it once and it was successful. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it was the SCAD Museum of Art, so it wasn't technically a real job, but I did it. You're making your own work. Look, and that's what I'm works. hashtag self-employed. All right. <laughs> Let's get into the questions. 
What if it's like really damning? Like you pull up a tweet from 2014, like, what were you meaning? What did you mean when you said? <laughs> oh, I'm nervous. See, she's Every got a, she's word. got a, oh, I need to paint a picture of what I'm looking at. Haley's holding up like a moleskin book. Yes. And I saw a lot of writing on it. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at a Go ahead, host. picture of boobies. <laughs> it calms me. Okay. So, <laughs> I want to get started oh God. with a few audience questions. Oh, boy. I think I had told you before the podcast started that your podcast angels, Kara and Brooks. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to change their uh, title on the website to podcast angels. Because even when they're not here, you can feel their presence. Right. You know, they're protecting you. Right. So we wear their skin. <laughs> we're going to start with a light one, really. Okay. I don't know if Thank you know you. how a podcast works. I no, ask I'm you questions and you give me long answers. And then I okay. put um, a Squarespace ad in the middle. And oh, then, great. Yeah. This is sponsored? Yeah. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. No. Yeah. Kara <laughs> asked. Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> West, what is your favorite color? <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever to say, but all I could think about was blue. So I guess that's my answer is blue. That's what his soul says. It's thank blue. you, Kara. Thank you, Kara Ang. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wear a lot of blue. I'm a blue boy. So this one's a little bit artsy. Mm. You really got to take it as you see it. Mm -hmm. Brooks asks, why can't there ever be enough? <laughs> what? I, I don't know. Does that mean, is he hinting that the podcast should stop? He's like, you done, you've done enough episodes. In parentheses, he had put like, take that as you wish. <laughs> of course he said that. You know, oh man, I'm just going to say, because. Next question. <laughs> Is this going like you thought it would? I'm in the zone. Shut up. You are. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. I just felt sweat roll down my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in an air-conditioned room. We're in a complete, I am in a thin shirt. You are. Picture, fun, slutty 80s. And you're there. You're in this room. Um, <laughs> okay. Now some of my own questions. Mm -hmm. You've talked to a lot of filmmakers mm -hmm. on this podcast, and you've spoken a lot about your own film experiences, but mm -hmm. I realize that there is a majority of the audience who listens to the podcast who might not be filmmakers, right. per se. Mm -hmm. I know a majority is, but I was wondering, could you kind of describe for someone who's never been on a film set, so mm -hmm. you're explaining it to like a distant relative, mm -hmm. what's it like on a film set? What is the, right. what's the feeling that everyone has? Where, where do the roles lie? Where does mm. the respect go? You know? Ooh, interesting. That is a good question. Because people don't often see film, I found, as a work environment. They see it right. as like a, a drug-fueled, crazy, someone <laughs> yeah. yells action, someone else is sitting in those stupid black chairs. Like, they don't see yeah, it. Which I've never seen. Exactly. <laughs> and there's a hierarchy that I think people yeah, don't realize totally. is very important to getting a job done. So what right. has been your perspective of that? Oh, man. I mean, as you know, like every set is vastly different. There are sets that are super well organized, and then there are sets that aren't, and that can be for like a multitude of reasons. But I think a good way to describe it is that when it's going well, it's like the best thing ever because there's so many moving parts in terms of like, you know, multiple crew members trying to set up props and just in camera team and lighting team and sound and all this different stuff that like has to go well for you to get like a five second shot and then to move on. It's definitely, I mean, it, it is work for sure, obviously. I mean, if you stay at the end of a movie and look at all the credits, those are all like paid people. Um, 
it's I think Brooks described it on one episode as the working man's art, which I think is a really good description. Could you not steal what Brooks said, please? Um, (laughs) He's kind of his own artist and I'm asking you. (sighs) So (laughs) So you'd say like it's not necessarily everyone working towards one thing. It's multiple people each kind of collecting and doing their own separate jobs? I think so, but uh, the overall goal is still there. Mm-hmm. Like, setting up a scene, the the cinematographer obviously has different things to do than, like, the boom operator, but uh, ideally everyone has the same goal of making the movie as good as it can be and telling the story as well as you can. In terms of the good experiences that I've had, there's a lot of... It's, like, the perfect middle ground, I, I think, for me, of, like, it's respectful... And you know what the rankings are. People respect the director, the first AD, and the DP, and you know department heads and all that stuff. But like, you're still friends, having fun, and like, I have so much fun on film sets, even the ones that go crazy. Um, Where do you think that fun comes from? Do you think it's a passion fueled mm. kind of fun, or do you think it's more of a just this is so exciting and so. We want to describe it as either rock concert okay. or uh, mosaic painting. Mm. And I will take only those two answers. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, a dictator of a host, and I appreciate that. Did I tell you I was almost an attorney? So I don't know how to ask open-ended questions. <laughs> right. I was trained to ask right. yes or no. That's good. Because so, I've realized when I'm asking questions, it can trail on way too long. <laughs> well, then perfect so, mix. Just yeah, find perfect. the middle ground for me. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. But no, you said like um, there is an element of like fun to it. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you think that stems from? I think that is traced back to my first times making movies, which is when I was with my best friend Tristan back home. And like specifically on the first movie that we made, that, that we completed, it was me, Tristan, and other best friend Yasmin back home. And it was a short that was like three minutes long. It took a week to make and there was no dialogue. <laughs> and it was just like we spent eight hours on a bridge in the middle of July, like a car bridge. <laughs> it was very not safe. But there's like I ever since then just have so much fun on film sets because there's this element of like I think everyone is conscious that not everyone can do what we're doing. And the fact that we get to do it is like we're super lucky. I mean, we've also like worked hard towards that goal. Of course, we're still at like the film school level. There's something I just love the idea of of creating things. That's one of the reasons why this podcast has been so fulfilling is that every week I've got something out and every week I'm creating something and that's much better for my mental health. Like I've realized I'm in a worse place if I don't have like a project going because that's just gives me something to do and gives me something to be passionate about. Um, Being goal oriented. Right. Yeah, exactly. So also like on on the great film sets that I've been on, it's like all friends, you know, and you get close with people really quickly because of how stressful it is. What is the longest set you've done? Because I agree. No, you definitely make fans, friends on a film and set. And enemies quickly as well. <laughs> yeah, that's what's great. Cr- you know what? Let's talk about that. Who, <laughs> who are your enemies? Who are your enemies? Comment below. <laughs> Tweet at me. Tweet if you're one of West's enemies. Like four followers. Oh, I'm not going to say if they're one of my four followers or whatever. I think I am one of them. You are. You are. Okay. So it's you, Tessa, in the Tuxton account. Do you get, like, when you say you make friends really easily mm-hmm. on film sets, I totally agree with that. What's the longest set you've done where you can make? Because I've found that, like, it's. Very short-lived. These friendships are very important, but like the actual experiences you have with the person, sure, you might keep in touch, but it's harder to to have a long distance or a long-term friendship, I should say. 
So what's the longest set you've actually worked on? The longest was that feature that I worked on when I took that quarter off. And I was a first assistant camera, which means, or I was just, uh, there wasn't even the first or a second. So I was just assistant cameras, what my official credit is. So I was in charge of helping out the DP and the camera operator, setting up the camera equipment and like pulling focus and slating and stuff like that. And I had very little focus experience and that was stressful at times, but we were able to get it done. But that was a month long shoot. Uh, the actual shoot was, oh man, like 20 something days. Mm-hmm. So, cause we had some off days that was really interesting experience because it was the first feature that I had worked on and I went in it pretty green. Luckily we were shooting on the FS7 and we have those at SCAD. So like I was totally comfortable setting it up. I was also the media manager. So I was in charge of all the footage, which is scary, <laughs> but that was interesting because we were in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi, like a part of Mississippi that I've never been. Super small town called Port Gibson. I think the actual population is like a thousand. And it's in one of the least densely populated counties. Like it's one of the biggest counties, but it's the least densely populated okay. in Mississippi. So it's really big and there's not a lot of people, you know, and it's like on the river. And so that was just really interesting because uh, it felt like I had a job every day. I mean, I did, but. Like you were talking about how the film sets are short-lived, like at SCAD, we do it in like a weekend. So even if your job is like production designer, you can do multiple things in a weekend just because it's small and people need help. But like every day, not that every day was the same, but like every day I knew what I was going to be doing, Mm -hmm. which was really nice because as like a director or a higher up person, it totally changes. And you're, and you're, you're having to deal with all the problems. And so like a big problem would come up on set and I'm like... Well, I'm doing my job. <laughs> you know, and that was like I didn't good cause prep. the big problem. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then when it came to the focus pulls, it was only my fault. That is <laughs> but interesting. We got it done. Yeah, I do like that how on a film set, the more power you have being a director or producer mm. or someone very high up, like you were saying, it is a lot more responsibility. It's a lot yeah. more fear involved. Oh, I'd say. totally. It's definitely totally. a high pressure. Yeah, because I wasn't the decision maker on it anything which yeah. was really nice like it's I, nice. I, yeah it's yeah. A, a nice change every yeah. now and then like i definitely prefer to be a director or a producer but it was it was especially nice because i didn't have that much experience mm-hmm. so uh like they took a chance on me as hiring me as an ac which i was really appreciative about but it was great to just know that like okay the people i'm working for know what they're doing so like if it's raining and we're not going to shoot, that's their decision to make. As long as I show up and I bring the equipment and, you know, do the things that I'm going to do, then then it'll be it'll be good. But you so. know what makes me so happy is that they don't know what they're doing. Right, of no course. No one on a film right. set knows what they're doing. I <laughs> right. love that. Like me I, too. Obviously, me too. they have the confidence to make a decision, but every decision's a risk. That's yeah. something they never talk about with film and going into right. it is that it's constant decisions it's oh, never yeah. a, it's a I nine think to five it's exactly i think it's I, i'm sure i've said this before because i like to use this phrase a lot but film is live problem solving Ooh, every minute there's a I problem like and you have to solve it in the moment and i love doing that like i love being in the middle of stuff there's a great picture that hunter took on the SBTS on 38 where it's me and Kara talking in our like entrance hallway and you're like in the background like looking at me because I look really stressed. I've got like my hands on my head. I remember that Kara's like And Kara's like laying out the options that we have and you're looking at me like, oh boy. (laughs) And what that decision was was that it was raining and we had to change our whole, it basically affected our whole shoot of the whole week because it affected that first day and that was like a ripple effect. Oh, totally. Yeah. I love being in that position. It's like that's the kind of stress that I like latch on to and love. But to go back to what you were saying, describing it to someone, I, I often think about how 
like to elaborate more on how close you get with people. Like I think about my dad's work, like he's a small business owner. He's an accountant at our like family business in our hometown. And he's got, I don't know how many employees are there. I mean, he like co-owns it with my uncle, but it's like super small. It's like less than 10 people that work in like the Cenotopia office. And they're all like close. I mean, it's, it's situations where like he's known them for 30 years, you know, like they're like families that also live in Cenotopia and we've known them forever. And they are close in that aspect, but there's just something about, but they also like, you know, they have their own offices and they're kind of doing their own thing. They have like a meeting to talk about things, but a lot of what they're doing is kind of like on their own, if that makes sense. I don't understand the world of accounting, but this is just (laughs) what I've like observed. But on a film set, like (laughs) on a film set, like everyone is in it, you know, and everyone is like witnessing what's happening and watching all the, and that's another issue or stress about the problem solving is that people are watching you make the like solve oh the my problem God, there's an audience that's <laughs> there's an audience that's the scariest part is when you're right. put it's not just you're put in charge of people it's you're right. put in charge of people and they will like especially at scad you work right. with filmmakers who are just as good and for me at right. least a lot of times oh, better me as well absolutely so when you are a director and you have someone who is a dp mm-hmm. and you say like well i think i'm gonna we're gonna shoot this tomorrow because we don't have time today and they go oh Right, and you see it. Oh no! Exactly. Oh my God! Like, (laughs) I'm making a decision, but I don't know if it's the right decision. Exactly. Exactly. And experienced people, you know, might have a different idea. Right. A a film set can go a million ways because there are a million people, and there's multiple right answers to different things. But like, there's a middle ground of like you can be that type of director where you're asking a bunch of people what they think, but at the end of the day, someone's got to say this is what they're doing or this is what we're doing. You got to be a decision maker. Exactly. That's a lot of pressure for college kids, especially. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's so interesting seeing film students, you know, all of a sudden take the reins. I thought it was so cool when we were on 38 because I didn't know you at all. And when we met, like you were super friendly and very Mm. like outgoing with everybody. And then after the set and you were so like, this is the decision we're making and we're doing this and I'm having a meeting now. So you guys go into that room and we're all like, yes, sir, this is awesome. (laughs) And then after the set, you were like, oh my God, like I was peeing my pants and I was scared (laughs) and this was scary and that was so stressful. I'm like, oh, (laughs) he's my age and he's a college student and he (laughs) gets nervous. He gets nervous. He gets so scared. That's so crazy. I would have never guessed. I know it's it's weird what film does to you when you decide to be a leader. Yeah, I think I'm good at, uh, (laughs) maybe this is bad, but I think I'm good at like (laughs) burying stress Oh, and making the <laughs> tell me more. How much does this therapy session cost, by the way? Eighty. Eighty thousand. Eighty. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, whenever I worked on, whenever I directed episode three of Reconnection, that was the biggest thing I'd ever directed, and I was very scared, kind of all the time. And I was talking to like some sophomores that were in my pre-production class that. Uh, last minute worked on the on the movie and were super helpful and I became friends with and they were like yeah you didn't seem stressed out and I was like oh boy I'm really good at not showing it and I think like because as the director people are going to reflect how you're feeling like like on 38 when it started raining if I was just like oh shit uh, it's raining what are we going to do we got to change everything then everyone else would freak out and then nothing would happen yeah it's, but the fact it's that Karen strange. and I were like all right let's look at the weather this is our decision. 
made and like we had it solved super quickly so yeah I, and also that's because of the people that i work with that's definitely not on me you know i mean having Kara I don't want to there, take full credit <laughs> i remember like Kara was always it was very mom and dad where you'd be like okay we're gonna do this and she's like okay i will tell the kids right. like, yeah, she, literally she'd get literally. all of us together to do our yeah. jobs and she'd be like are you doing this i'm like i am sorry. <laughs> it was really impressive right. yeah. and that's something that's really cool too is having a team on a film set that i really right. like i have another question We've talked a little bit about how film sets are high stress and how there's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of pressure. And there's a stereotype that film sets are kind of a a watering hole for drug use or the film industry in general (laughs) has a lot of drug addicts and <laughs> As they're so colloquially referred exactly. to exactly and the hard drugs are the ones that seem popular by the way the point is <laughs> with all the high pressure of a film set and mm-hmm. all of the you know emotions that go along with right. it and the stress that stereotype that film the film industry has high drug use right. or has a lot of drug users who are in power mm-hmm. or it's a, a common pastime. My question for you, I guess, is how many drugs do you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took everything to hold my face. <laughs> that was in good. Place. That took that, a lot. Yeah, it did take a lot. Um, That was really good. Uh, that was my bit. You don't have to answer okay. that. <laughs> as, as my friends will tell you, I'm the most straight edge person on earth. <laughs> I do think that's interesting, though, because I've seen a little bit of, like, you know, it's... Yeah, I hear stories more than I right, haven't actually same. seen like yeah. a line of key cane get like passed around a film <laughs> right. set. But a I, line of Michael Caine. Uh, I don't see any Michael Caine getting passed around at parties or uh, anything. But I hear stories. <laughs> I remember someone told me a story about some sound guy they knew who did like lines of cocaine in between oh, yeah. takes, and I was like, oh, that's. That's crazy. And they're like, yeah, but he was such a good sound mixer. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <It's laughs> I like, thinking, like, okay. I wonder if he's a good sound mixer because of the cocaine right. or if he does cocaine because he's, he's a, a good, <laughs> good sound <laughs> right. mixer. Right. But do you think that stereotype lives on in the actual film industry, the real world? Oh, man. I mean, I haven't really existed in the L.A. film industry. So, oh, like, fair. you know, I mean, Next question. <laughs> I'm sure it's true to some extent. I think any high pressure situation, you're going to have people that like have different coping mechanisms. So, like, I mean, probably. But I, I don't think it's like the 80s anymore, you know, <laughs> because I think we're just smarter humans now. I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope so, at least. But yeah, I I I shove it and and put on a happy face as I was saying earlier. I thought shove it was like a term. <laughs> oh, for like, like a term for something. It's like when you take a we do a shove it like an Adderall pill and you put it as high in your <laughs> nostril as possible. Right. right. <laughs> okay, you meant like you don't do drugs. Yeah, I'm right. I deal with things. <laughs> doesn't do drugs. So a lot of these questions are ruined. Um, <laughs> okay, well, because you don't do drugs. <laughs> okay. Uh, Hold on a second. I gotta reevaluate. I gotta look at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be honest. I this did not one, expect you to not, not do this one. <laughs> She's no. flipping through all these pages. Okay. So good bit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think there's a personality type associated with being a filmmaker, or do you think mm. it's people of mixed identities? I think I've encountered people from all of the, like so many different personality types throughout the movies that I've been on. So I don't like, if you're thinking like, 
like it can help if you're a producer and you're like type A organized type stuff. But I just interviewed a SCAD professor who is a producer and I asked him like about that similar question and that'll come out in like two weeks, I think. But um, I don't think that there's like a consistent personality type, but I think if you want to be successful, you have to really, really want it because of how, you know, defining success, however you want to define it. But I guess even successful is like finishing a movie, like completing production and having a final product. You have to like really believe in it and really want it because of how improbable it is <laughs> that it's going to finish because of how difficult the process is from beginning to end. So I'll meet people. I mean, I've, I've met a few people that are like this, but I've met a few people that I'll see them on a film set and they're just kind of like shrugging their way through it. And one that's frustrating because it means that they don't care and there's someone that does care and could have taken their place and been more of a help on set. But it's like, why are you doing this? If you're just, this isn't a career that you can just say like, we'll see what happens through it because it's so unlikely to one, be a full-time filmmaker, just in general. You, no one has to know your name, but just making movies full-time and being able to live off of that is so hard that, I don't know, I've just met a few people that couldn't seem to really care less. And that drives me insane, and I know other people that it drives insane because we, the people that I surround myself with love film more than anything and like would give a lot to be able to do this forever, you know? So... Yeah. And I think people like that take away opportunities from those who maybe are inexperienced but want to do it more than anything. Yeah, I think I'll always have that like desire to like like that joy of of making it. At least I hope I will, because it's like if you're if you're just going to shrug through, like do something else, like find I, something you're passionate. Right, about. exactly. And that's like any career. But I think film specifically, it's just so the market is so saturated and you're going up against like Paramount and all these huge companies to get your stuff made. And like 1% of independent films make their money back or some like damning statistic like that. Oh yeah. You're no one's in it for the money. No one's in no it for one the money. Makes yeah. money usually right. is in it for the money. Right. I don't know if, if you're, if you're just like, yeah, we'll see what happens. Then you need to either do something else or like kick your ass into gear because have you ever met those filmmakers who are in it to be famous? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, those... Yeah, it sucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, those are absolutely about those people. It's insane. And they're terrible. And it's really sad. Like, it actually really, like, bums me out because yeah. I'm like, you're not going to. It's not for the. It's not going to happen. When the end goal is about you and not about the film you're making. Right. It's about, I hate to be, oh my God, I hate what I'm about to say. It's about the art, dude. No, but seriously. It's about the art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is like, it's about the story that you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. And another interesting thing, I'm referencing an episode that hasn't come out yet, but that Stanley said <laughs> is that. Um, Wait, you can't say that because it would have been out by the time this comes out. Nope. It comes out in two weeks from this episode. What? Because mm -hmm. this episode comes what? out this Friday. <laughs> Start scribbling. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Continue. Uh, I know. I'm gonna be honest. Totally forgot what I was gonna, what I was gonna reference, and I'm keeping this all in because we got in that bit, and I totally forgot what I was gonna reference. Oh, on this no. episode. Just listen to it. It's a good episode. It comes out in two weeks. Um, Happy birthday. Man, I totally forget. It's a good episode. I'm excited for it. We were talking. Uh, do you just want? Just keep going. This is this is what happens. Welcome to the world of podcasting. Yes, we talked about drugs. <laughs> right.
Do you think the film industry is a good dating industry? <laughs> <laughs> is this your question? There's nothing written in this book. I have to tell the truth. I've been reading from it. There's nothing. It's like that Bo Burnham bit. <laughs> in his what special? His yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> have you ever taken any sort of risks in order to better a film? Oh, uh, hmm. I mean, I guess my first movie that we finished was, you know, we were shooting it on that on that bridge, which. It was like a short bridge. It wasn't that big of a Why risk. Why was it on but a bridge? You said there was no dialogue. and It was about suicide. Oh, so it okay. ends with her like looking over the bridge. Why is it that teenagers always want to make films about suicide? This story I heard, <laughs> it's very true. Um, but I was in like 10th grade or something, 9th or 10th grade. And my parents told me a story about someone in Cenotopia who like just wrote a note that said I'm going to Walmart. And then they found her car on a bridge with the door open and then like found their body down the river or whatever. And for some reason I was like interested in that story and I thought like I could tell that story in some type of way. Probably should have chosen a different topic because it's pretty insensitive. I mean, it wasn't the same story, but the, I just heard that and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't like use names or anything. So the element I try to do was like, you don't see the person's, you don't see the character's full face until the very last shot or the second to last shot of when they're looking over. Um, they're like kind of obscured throughout the the movie. But yeah, uh, something I've noticed is about beginner filmmakers is that they want to tackle like really complex mental health issues <laughs> in their like first movie. It's, and it's like, it's well, interesting. <laughs> maybe I, don't. <laughs> and I haven't made a movie about that since because it's a very touchy subject. Right. And it's, I think it's because, and it can be exploitive too. It can be very, ex you, know? you got to be Absolutely. very careful about yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's because it's what they're feeling internally. Not that all young filmmakers are suicidal. Right. But I think that, there's some element of this is what I'm not supposed to be talking about. And so this is what it, it would be right. easier to show it than to say yeah. it. I, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I'm sure it's a coping mechanism for some people. Oh, yeah. Making your art about something you care about. Oh, is, for sure. I mean, that's why I started filmmaking. Right. Exactly. I felt very passionately about totally. one topic. Totally. And then just went from there. Yeah. I've noticed that with the films that you make, how many films have you made now? Four. Four films. That I've like written and directed myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But of your actual work that I've seen, you definitely, you have a theme throughout, not necessarily, you always have a life lesson. None of your stuff mm. is, seems like, oh, it's just a goofy film that I'm making for funsies. Right. It's always something that's supposed to hit a mark. Mm -hmm. Do you think coming from a small town changes the kind of stories that you personally want to tell? Mm. Totally. Um, I grew up listening to my parents, specifically my dad, telling stories about when he was growing up in Cenotopia. And he is like a fantastic storyteller. Like people come to a party and he's the one like not really commanding the room. He would not like it if he heard me say that. <laughs> and he's listening to this. So sorry, dad. But I mean, like sorry. he's just a good he's captivating. You know, he does like different voices for different people. And he's just like such a fantastic storyteller. So that really heavily influenced what I wanted to talk about. But being from Cenotopia, I talk about it so much, as you and my other close friends <laughs> are probably annoyed about. Um, but like, it is such an influence for just on on my view on so many things. Thirty eight is heavily influenced. I mean, it's about growing up in a small town. I mean, I don't necessarily think just the fact of me being in a small town did it because I know a bunch of people who are from small towns and they don't ever want to go back and don't really think about it that often and don't feel like a personal connection to either their hometown or their home state. The fact that like 
I have so many memories of sitting in my uh, sitting in my room with Tristan talking about like one day we're going to be in LA with our own production company and our offices are going to be right next to each other. You know, all these like aspirational things that you would put in a movie, but we were actually daydreaming about. How old were Um, you when you were daydreaming about having a production company? Before On the Edge, because we tried to make a couple movies before then that did not So what, like 15, like that's pretty young to be saying, I want a production company. Yeah. That's something that- We like named our own production company and everything. Oh my God. Yeah. And got shirts made and everything. Oh my God. You were making shirts for (laughs) your production company. Well, I don't think we made shirts, but I think, I think like my high school girlfriends, uh, like her family had a shirt company printing type thing and they made shirts for us which is very nice that we still have so that's something you identified with really early on oh for sure yeah that's so interesting c-y-f-e-r films which didn't really mean anything it was just the word cypher spelled differently (laughs) and we got zach who worked on 38 he Mm -hmm. was the boom operator to make the logo which was just like gray steel looking stuff and then the the letters cut out (laughs) and like this like what I thought was a cool arrangement. Do you still have your shirt? But yeah, somewhere. Oh my god, somewhere it awesome. might be back home in Mississippi. But I know Tristan still has his because he sent me a picture of him wearing it. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. You, yeah, that's you know that's hard for some people to wrap their minds around the fact mm. that a young kid could say I want to have a production company because a lot of right. times young kids have a very basic idea of what totally of what success means. It means being a lawyer, being a doctor. Right. It's not usually. I want to start a company for film and right. do it with my best friend, you know? Yeah. That's why like tungsten is such a big deal to me because it's like the first serious iteration of that idea. Like we had <laughs> Cypher Films, which is just a YouTube channel, you know, <laughs> and I think it had on the edge on it. And then I started a YouTube channel called Merryweather Films, which is my middle name. Uh, and that also has like one short on it. And then a place like Mississippi is on my actual just West Givens YouTube channel. So my work is scattered on the internet. What is it about a production company that draws you to the oh, idea? Oh, man. Um, I think there's part of it that gives the work some legitimacy. I like the idea of, I didn't want to name the company just after me. Like my mo- my mother loved the name Mayweather Films. Naturally, because she named me West Mayweather Givens. Of course. <laughs> so, of course, thank you, Mom. <laughs> um, but I wanted it to be bigger than me, which sounds really arrogant, but, like, I really didn't want it. Like, I, you know, want it to be a team of people working together because my best experiences have been working with good teams. So, I uh, like, wanted, wanted it to be super collaborative. And it can be less collaborative if it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm working on, like, Givens Films. It's like, oh, so, so you're working for Wes. It's like, no, we should all be working under one thing. So, yeah, man, I, I was obsessed with, I was, like, obsessed with having a production company, like a studio space. And I That's still am. Crazy. Like, I, I daydream about like designing a studio and having a place to go and work which is I was weird but yeah from my that was my like my earliest film memories were also associated with like oh yeah i want to put this under a company name that's to- so that's <laughs> hey dude that's weird <laughs> yeah it is i was obsessed with sneaking into rock concerts <laughs> I was obsessed with it. I, right. I loved trying to find the back door to a bar and trying to sneak in. Oh, I see. And you were trying to start production <laughs> companies? Yeah, like literally when I was like 13. We would not have been friends. <laughs> and we still aren't. I was getting sleeve tattoos <laughs> that were adhesive so that people would think I had tattoos so I could sneak nice. into 21 Do you and remember up earlier when I concert. said I'm the most straight edge person on earth? <laughs> yeah, but like when you compare to, it's so weird. 
Yeah, that was our thing. That's your thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's one of the reasons why I love Tungsten so much is because I it's like working, you know? Okay, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, like, saying? the idea is working. Like, people are listening to this. Oh, people oh, are watching oh, oh. what I thought we you meant, do. Like, I just love working and doing work. Well, and I, I, mean, I mean, I know that's true. Right, yeah, but, like, it's... Being busy is good, but... Yeah, yeah, being busy I mean, on stuff on. you want to be busy. You are 21 years old, going on 22. Eat an ice cream sundae or something. <laughs> okay. Bounce a ball. <laughs> okay, you're making it out to like I have no fun. I know you have fun. <laughs> like, it's frisbee. <laughs> last night, I want you to know at about 5 a.m., I had Queer Eye on the left half of my screen, and I was looking at space posters on Etsy on the right <laughs> half of my screen. So Honestly, that your boy doesn't has sound... Too, I do that too, but I play Papa's Pizzeria <laughs> on one side of my screen. Right. And I watch Euphoria on HBO oh, okay. on the other side. Everyone has their half and half. Yeah. Everyone has <laughs> a little half and half milkshake. Right. And mine is <laughs> a little pitiful. Yours is too. Yeah. We're all kind of sad. I've a bunch of great posters. This has been Tungsten. <laughs> Um, I want to backtrack okay. a little bit. We were talking about like what makes a filmmaker if there's a certain personality type. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed in my own experience, and I'm sure you have too, it's a very social right. industry. It's yeah. a lot of, like you were saying, working with people. Right. It's always a team environment. There's no one on earth who can make a film completely by themselves. Totally. But you're very introverted. You like your alone time, mm. as I've learned <laughs> These past few weeks, you do not hang out with me past three hours. You, <laughs> you, I'll get into your oh, car and I'm no. like, where are we going? And you're like, I'm taking you home. That's <laughs> not true. Last night I asked if you wanted to be taken home. Oh, I didn't know I was going to get bullied on this episode. But <laughs> Actually, back. yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. We were playing Frisbee and usually we get food or something after. And you said, do you want me to take you home now? And I went, yeah. Because <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I was driving and you were talking, you were telling a story, and I didn't want to like interrupt the story later and be like, wait, where are we going? Are we going to my place or do you want me to take you home? And you're like, I would like to go shower. I was like, okay. I read the room wrong. Goodness. I'm sorry. You read anyway, the car interior wrong. <laughs> cut this out. I don't need anyone to know we hang out outside of this okay. podcast. <laughs> It's damaging for you. I've your... got street cred right. that I really need to right. take care I've got of. Zero. <laughs> so, um, as a not as a person who enjoys being introverted, right? A proud introvert, a loser, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Another word would be mm, loser. You know, a sad man in your twenties. No, I'll stop. This is fun, but I'll stop. <laughs> Oh, gosh. How do you find a balance between working a very social film set right. and needing to recharge? Like, where where do you kind of draw the line? Well, it's really great that I don't have roommates. <laughs> living that alone helps. is huge. Um, and part, I think part of the reason why I'm living alone right now is because I know, like, whenever I move to a big city, I'm obviously going to have to get roommates because of cost. But, like, right now it's the best thing for me. Because I think I've become more introverted at SCAD, and I'm sure it's like a cyclical thing of living alone. Um, but I really like, I feel like, come, not that I have a shell. I don't know. I really like, I get super social on film sets. You know, like I love that aspect of like hanging out and, and making jokes. And there's always so many opportunities for jokes on a film set, especially if you and I are working on a, on a film. We have. 
I'm just so too much. worried someday we're going to get yelled at on a right, film set because right. you and I. <laughs> Can I just tell the story real quick? I don't know what story I'm going to tell, so sure, it's I guess. From, uh, it's from Reconnection episode two. So okay. Wes and I had not spoken to each other <laughs> in maybe five months. I had not seen you right. for a long time. And not out of, we just hadn't. No, it was just, you were busy and I was busy. Right. We had tried to make plans at one point, right. and every time we tried oh, to make right. plans, we were that. both on set. Right. And we didn't, like, we didn't try to make plans one weekend, and I went on a set that was out in the middle of nowhere in yeah, Georgia. Like three hours away from Savannah. Three hours away filming in a prison. And I get there <laughs> and I'm like at a table and someone says something, something West. And I went, <sighs> what? <laughs> I turned around and you were staring at me from the door with your fist by your side like a toddler. I love that stance. I'm doing it right now. I wish people could see it. But yeah, it's a great stance. I like saw him. It was like seeing a ghost. I hadn't seen you in so long. And I said, it was something so stupid. I don't remember the exact bit like that I screamed at you. <laughs> But it became, what if you could pee on an ATM and it gave you money? Right. This was a, within 30 seconds of me seeing you. We had this you. running bit, yeah. What if you could pee on right. an ATM and it gave you money? ATM pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started doing this so bit dumb. of like, what if with ATMs you had to do weird stuff for it to give you money? You were an actor and I was a PA. Right. We had important jobs. We weren't just there right. for funsies. But the Entire, like I remember at one point the ATM joke was going on for so long. Yeah. We were talking and about people like, were like watching us. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> who was it who pulled out a camera and was like, I need to. It was this guy, uh, Michael. He had it oh, recorded. He right. was like, I need to record this because I don't understand a word they're saying <laughs> right. right now. And I'm hoping if I rewatch it, I'll right. be able to translate whatever it is that's going on. <laughs> I remember Brooks that. came in at one point and he said, is this a bit? Are they having aneurysms? Because <laughs> we were it not saying like, words right. at one point. Right. But yeah, what you were saying. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> I can't believe you're still laughing at it. It's not funny. It's a good bit. So, oh man, I'm so scared that being social on set is going to get me in trouble. Right, same. mostly because of you. Because right. I need to be the last laugh at all times, and I can tell and, you and, have that dark <laughs> need as well. Yeah. And whenever we were on the way to Louisiana, Tessa got to witness like whenever you and I get into a bit, it's this really interesting thing because like we we literally trade off one for one on yeah. the different iterations of the bit. Like I'll say something, and then we'll both go, <laughs> and then you can hear us thinking about what the next one is going to be, and you go. And then you because say you're we're still learning to be funny, so I can't right. be like right off the bat. Right. It takes me like thirty seconds of a load period. Right. I gotta work that muscle. Yeah. Boy, like I gotta, Boy. I gotta work yeah, that muscle go to, to be gym. funny. But it is like on a set, it's uh, perfect when you have like your funny friend because you right. can like see him. And you're like ATMP, ha! Huh? And then you guys separate to do exactly. a job, yeah. and then you come back and they're like, "What if you kissed an ATM and it gave you?" Money? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like you have time to think about it. What if you gotta bring the ATM a sandwich for it to give? you money ATM sandwich. I did get yelled at on that set actually oh, because really? I peeked around a corner where you guys were filming oh. and you guys weren't filming at the time. I think uh, one of the directors or the director was speaking to 
another actor. Mm -hmm. And I peeked around the corner and was like, hey, Wes, what if you had to do like Dance Dance Revolution, but it's for an ATM? And if you get all the steps right, you get your money. And the director is like, could you not be in here right now? <laughs> That's the thing, too, is that I I was in this weird position of like, I knew I had to listen to the director and respect what they said, but I really wanted to show you that, I, that it was funny and laughing at it. So I'm like looking at the director and you're over there and I'm like, Oh, it's funny, but I can't laugh right now. <laughs> I can't laugh. That was That's, so good. Oh, I love it so much. Those are the fun set experiences exactly. you get at SCAD. I yeah. paid for it. Exactly. I paid for my paid laughs. top dollar for it. Yeah. <laughs> you paid for these laughs. Oh, man. I can't wait until we actually get in trouble for it. That's going to be terrible. Martin Scorsese is going to hit your little bum. He's going to be so mad at you. You got to go stand in the corner. The other thing about our bits is that they don't like make if, sense. Makes sense. People would hear them and it's like we're like like Michael thought we weren't saying English. So we have a select <sighs> audience. Yeah. Of two people. Mm -hmm. And it's us. Exactly. And as long as the other person is laughing, it, it was successful. Yeah. And that's, and that's really that unhealthy for my comedy state. I because love I'm it. I'm doing stand up again. Right. I haven't done it in forever. Mm -hmm. I'm picking it back up and I go Good. in to write jokes. I'm like, <laughs> and I is ATMP funny? It's not. And Let I me tell you. And I'm like, oh, he's so funny. Yeah, and I can't I can't trust you on that one. <laughs> I don't like that one. Uh, um, okay. So if you ever got to make a film that was autobiographical and it was about you. Oh, boy. Who would play me? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, you know, it's got to be someone I look like. So Jake Gyllenhaal. This has been the Tyson Originals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Um, I mean, it'd have to be someone young, especially like. If it was to do it right now. Which of the Stranger uh, Things kids would that, play No him? joke. I was, I was like, what's Finn going to look like when he grows up? <laughs> Maybe one of the Wolf Brothers. They're talented. I don't think they look, I don't know if they look like me at all, but they're let's insanely pretend, talented. Let's pretend we live in a universe where we can clone any of the most famous actors of all time. Any of uh, that we make, want. And we can uh, pick what age we want them and then we'll euthanize oh, them dang. after they play the role. Oh, wow. Okay. That... <laughs> I don't know about the end part of that. It turned into nope, a big a humanity question. But Strap in. Um, I think it would be Jake Gyllenhaal. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. What and age? he's fantastic. Whenever he did October Sky, because okay. he was like probably like early 20s, and 38 took a lot of inspiration from October Sky. Oh, and like he's that. amazing. But it's and he does like indie films too, which I really love. So Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. He did this stuff. film. He did Paul Dano's directorial debut, which is called Wildlife, mm -hmm. which is like a small indie movie that was really good. But he also did like, you know, Spider-Man. <laughs> so it's very okay. cool. I want to end on a fun question. Let's do it. We're about to get kicked out of here anyway. We are so about to get kicked out like, of we're here. we're very close. Is the door locked? <laughs> Just go. Just go. <laughs> okay. What is something you have been watching that makes you happy as a filmmaker? Not just, don't say Queer Eye, I swear <laughs> to God. I won't say Queer Eye. <laughs> I mean, it's a great documentary presence. But right. as a filmmaker, something you've watched recently that made you happy? Barry. Barry. Barry is a fantastic TV show. I've mentioned it before. Barry is, I literally, I think there are no flaws in that show. <laughs> like season one and season two, which are the only seasons right now, are amazing. Bill Hader is perfect. It is like my perfect blend of dramatic and funny stuff. It's perfect. I love it very much. Watch Barry. Also, the Apollo 11 documentary that we rewatched. What is it called? Uh, it's called Apollo 11. Okay. It's amazing. We, I saw it my second time. You saw it the first time on the anniversary of the moon landing. It was great. Um, Barry's amazing. I think everyone should watch it. So Barry and Apollo 11. That is our right. filmmaker's <laughs> suggestion. Right. In Filmmaker's Corner. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Okay, well, awesome. Thank you, Wes, for sitting down with me and uh, Thank you, doing Haley. this podcast. Happy birthday. Thank you. And uh, good luck in all of your filmmaking endeavors. You as well. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.